Dak Prescott, Lamar Jackson, Trevor Lawrence, Baker Mayfield, Russell Wilson. What do they all have in common? Well, we're going to find out in just a second. But first, Well, what they all have in common, at least as far as I know, is nothing. The only thing they have in common is that we're going to talk about them today. So, Tony, spin the wheel of topics for me and tell me what quarterback we should uh, start with first, according to the wheel. Um, I mean, I think we should start with Trevor Lawrence. All right, yeah, let's let's do it then. Let's start with the Lawrence himself. It's Tony's favorite quarterback ever. He's been so high. He's been higher than than everybody else in the in the sports media landscape on Trevor Lawrence, and I think he was really disappointed and quite honestly shocked by this year. Yeah, whoever could have guessed that he'd be that he'd be bad. Whoever could a have horrible such a yeah. thing. No, who could have? If only someone here had. <laughs> if if only somebody had been dead on, perfectly accurate from before he got drafted, that he would be terrible. Do we know anybody like that? Was Campbell really low on him or something? Uh, it might have been Campbell. Yeah, it might have been Campbell. I don't know. It definitely wasn't anyone here, though. Um, okay, so so I recently wrote an article for The Observer. It's, it's not recent anymore, I guess. I don't know what kind of recent, but it was on the 21st, so go find that online if you really want to. But I detailed that Lawrence is, is trending towards bust. And so, Tony, you read the article. Where do you want to start? Like, what did you find most interesting? Well, I like how you kind of started it. So for those of you that haven't read the article, Tom kind of takes some quarterbacks of the past, not super far in the past, that have been kind of boosted of the same caliber uh, as Lawrence was when he was coming in. Andrew Luck is kind of the first one they started out with because a lot of people were comparing him to Luck right off the rip. Uh, And then just kind of from there, Tom was able to whittle down uh, guys that were similar in their first year as a way to kind of project how Lawrence might do throughout the season. And at the end of the day, do you want to reveal who the final uh, couple of guys were that were comparable? Yeah. So well, let's, let's go with the whole list. Um, let me see. So what I did is my process was just to go through and find first round draft picks that had advanced passing numbers that were pretty similar to Lawrence. So the list that I ended up fi- starting with was Joe Burrow, Tua, Herbert, uh, Jalen Hurts, just because he was like a very close to a first-round pick um, and has performed really well. Kyler Murray, Daniel Jones, Dwayne Haskins, Baker Mayfield, Sam Darnold, Josh Allen, Josh Rosen, and Lamar Jackson. And so I immediately just started shopping out guys, and the three that I thought were the best comparatively were Daniel Jones, Baker Mayfield, and Sam Darnold. Josh uh, Rosen, I don't think I mentioned this in the article, Rosen did actually look really close to Lawrence and how he started and had similar expectations, but unfortunately, you know, he did get traded to the Dolphins and hasn't really been heard from since. I think he's currently on the 49ers, so there wasn't enough data to for him to be worth using. Yeah, so, I mean, really, at the end of the article, he kind of summed up, there isn't really one guy that's super close to what Lawrence has kind of been. It's, it's, it's kind of strange to see somebody who's been, I mean, I think we can all agree, Trevor Lawrence was the most hyped quarterback coming out of college since Andrew Luck. 
And Andrew Luck Without was obviously question. extremely, extremely successful in the time that he was in the league. If it, you know, if he had a better O line, I honestly think he'd still be in the league today, and he would be probably a top five quarterback. Honestly, I think Luck was a phenomenal guy, and I was really sad to see him go. The same cannot be said for Lawrence. So far, he has been, you know, absolutely terrible. And I will admit that when I first, when I first made the take of Trevor Lawrence is going to be a bust. I did make that take with the thought process of, okay, if he's being heralded to be as good as Andrew Luck, then theoretically, as long as he is worse than Andrew Luck, he's a bust. And I didn't think he'd get anywhere close to Andrew Luck. I wasn't banking on him being just worse. I did think he was going to be pretty bad, but even I did not think he would start off right out the rip this bad. I mean, it... It, it was really tough to watch some of these, and it's not like it was just Urban Meyer. A lot of people like to blame, oh, Urban Meyer's a terrible coach. He didn't really have any help around him on the team. That is true, but quite a few times you could see he would mess up a throw, completely miss a throw. That was like a check down. Like it was something that there's not really an excuse anymore. His guy was kind of, his guy was pretty open. It's not like the play call was bad. There wasn't great coverage. He was just missing a lot of throws. And at a certain point, you kind of have to go, well, a lot of these things, maybe the team's not helping him, maybe the coach isn't great. A lot of these things are on the guy, and at a certain point, at this level, do you give him another chance to kind of, like, learn? Because a lot of this stuff, you should be you should be a high school quarterback making some of these check down throws pretty consistently. And he just wasn't. Yeah, I mean, that was something that I talked about in the articles, that, like, rookies who start out this phenomenally bad typically don't get drastically better like so um the the first quarterback i used was daniel jones so he he had a rookie campaign of 24 touchdowns and 12 interceptions he had 38 sacks and just over 3,000 yards he had about a 62 uh completion percentage and he fell off um in his second season i believe it was 11 touchdowns to uh, to 10 interceptions uh, and the 45 sacks and under 3,000 yards. So this season he only played 11 games, but he had a very you know very similar stats across the board. You know he had 10 touchdowns, seven interceptions, and 22 sacks, a little under 2,500 yards on 64 completion percentage. And the point with with Jones was that like rookies typically don't get drastically better. Like it's very rare that you see a Peyton Manning type player. Cause that's, the, that's what everybody uses, right? Tony, I'm sure you get this daily. If you ever bring up your Lawrence take is that, Oh, well Peyton Manning has, has one of the records for the most interceptions in a rookie season ever. It's very easy for a quarterback. No, no, Peyton Manning is not an everyday quarterback. Peyton Manning was an offensive coordinator in a, in a football helmet. So please stop comparing Lawrence to, to Manning. Yeah, I, I absolutely despise that take because, yes, you can look at Peyton Manning and you can say, all right, he started off poorly and then he came back to be, in my opinion, the second-best quarterback in NFL history. But he was one guy that did that. Let's look at the list of guys that didn't do that because I'm sure it's hundreds long throughout the kind of the history of the league. No, I mean, it absolutely is. And so, again, what I did with finding these guys is it's very deliberate and methodical. I started with, I think, 15, 16 guys and whittled it down to three because I didn't want to, you know, pollute the pollute the, the sample size. 
And so, you know, Baker is a very similar case. Now, I, I have a different outlook on Baker, um, but Baker had a breakout season of 27 touchdowns, 14 interceptions, 25 sacks. He actually almost had 3,500 yards and then 64% completion percentage. But then, you know, sophomore year, he regressed to 22 touchdowns, 21 interceptions, 40 sacks, and 59.4 completion percentage. So, you know, this season, he went 6-8. and eight. But again, I, I have an explanation as to why I don't think he improved. But again, the point stands is that, like, rookies who have bad seasons or have great first seasons, one, they're not a lock to continue having good seasons. But then ro- rookies who have a bad season and follow it up with a bad season, like Jones, and then, you know, the next example is Darnold, of course, 17 touchdowns in his rookie season to 15 interceptions, 30 sacks, and a below 60% completion percentage. And he continually got worse, of course, and then went to the Panthers, where he's just abysmal. Um, you know, so the point is, I don't, you know, quarterbacks do not improve dramatically in your, in their first season, I think. I think that they, of course, can get better. And just because you had a, like, if you had a, a bleh season, you know, you can fix a few things, but there are so many things wrong with Lawrence, I think, that he's just, he's not going, he's, he matches up with too many historically bad precedents than he, as he does with good precedent. Yeah, and I like what you threw in there about you can fix some things. You can fix a lot of things, but if you, if I've, I have watched, you know, different quarterback coaches, either if they're former quarterbacks from the league that are coaching guys that are coming in the league now, the one thing that they all always tell these guys is focus on one thing at a time. And that thing is going to take a while to develop. So if you have a guy like Lawrence who has so many things wrong with him, sure, maybe this offseason he can fix one thing. But when one thing is really, you know, a microcosm of 15 bigger things, you can't fix all 15 of those in one offseason. You can't do it in two offseasons. You probably can't do it in three offseasons for a lot of this stuff. So if he is going to be a half-decent quarterback, it's not going to be for another three, four, five years. Yeah, for sure. I mean, look, at Clemson, and this is why I'm always opposed to drafting like Alabama quarterbacks and always opposed to drafting just really in general quarterbacks that come from teams that are just better than every other team that they play is because you can, it's it's even more hard to decipher what the quarterback is doing that's successful and what's him having 7 seconds to stand in the pocket and you know then like slowly work through his progression until he finds a receiver who's 10 yards away from his man because your team is just that much more overwhelming so that's typically why I'm opposed. And I think that's what happened here is that I don't think – I never thought that Lawrence was exceptional. I thought he'd be fine, but I, I did not think he'd be Andrew Luck-esque. So, you know, I'm sort of right, but I think Tony's obviously more right. <laughs> yeah, it just – it comes down to, like you said, I'm of the exact same mindset of you don't – you do not draft a quarterback right out the rip from one of these big-time schools because not only – would you be going from this guy having the most talented team around him or a top three most talented team around him in the kind of, you know, quote unquote division of college football that he's playing, you would then be taking him and putting him on arguably the worst roster in the league uh, at the next level. So not only are you going from college football to NFL, which I know they're both football, but they are, they're completely different games, honestly. No, there's a difference. There's a So not only are you going from one kind of quote-unquote level to another you're then putting him from the best team to the worst team 
most of the time. And that's just so much for a guy to adjust to in a year, two years, three years even. It's just such a jump and such a difference from what he's probably normally used to. This guy's probably never had to really play without players around him. Because, you know, if you make it to one of these big-time schools, you probably went to a big-time college high school who probably had a bunch of great players around you. So this is completely something new on top of the new level of football you're playing. There's a whole new coaching system you have to develop. You have to take a lot more responsibility as a player. You're no longer living like your coach no longer dictates your life once you go from college to the NFL, which is why I think Urban Meyer failed. But there's so much change that comes about being, you know, college guy to NFL guy and then being as hyped as he was. Most guys aren't going to make that jump, especially when you hype them up this much. It usually just doesn't happen. Yeah, and just a last thought. The teams who come into possession of number one draft picks, obviously the roster is bad, and Tony touched on that. But also, like, their organization as a whole is bad. Like, you're if you're picking first in the draft, you're picking first for a lot of different reasons. And I think that it should be telling that the the Jaguars organization was so dysfunctional that they brought in Urban Meyer to begin with. I was never a huge fan of that. So, you know, I think that Lawrence is going to continue to struggle, not because he's a bad athlete by any means. He's obviously an exceptional athlete, the 1% of the 1%, but he's just going to be surrounded by garbage. Um, let's take this first caller as we kind of wrap up the, the Lawrence segment. Hello, Mateo, and welcome to the program. Hey, so you guys were talking about Peyton there. Of course, Peyton is legendary, one of the best football talents. Uh, and, you know, he's like those uh, uh, those catcher brothers. Uh, why am I spacing on their name? From Dominican Republic. He has those perfect genes, of course. All the Manning brothers do. Perfect jock genes. But I want to remind you guys that in the betting off season between 2007 and 2008, Peyton was also the most hyped up quarterback of all time. Vegas actually gave the Colts that year, um, like, maybe even better than even money or worse than even money to go all the way to win the Super Bowl, like, you know, like uh, less than even, which is just crazy, right? And then they only pulled up, they only pulled up to win um, the same amount of games as the Chargers ultimately, and Phillip Rivers beat them in a divisional game going six for 10 on third down, the Chargers did, because they had a more balanced team. Peyton only went three for 11 on third down in that game, and that's what that even money Super Bowl uh, bet, if you took it, six months earlier got you was a knockout in the divisional round and, and why basically that game is to some degree why Peyton, of course, uh, had as many rings as his brother, right? Or uh, more or less. Anyways, I, I just kind of had to give you the barroom uh, response to, to, you know, in that one moment, maybe that means nothing at all over the course of a career. Maybe it does, but Philip Rivers beat him that day. It's definitely an interesting thought, and I mean, I think that's you know that's obviously a a valid point to make that you know maybe we're hyping up Peyton a little bit too much, but you know I do think he's great. Obviously, I think every career has has its disappointments here and there. But thank you for the call, and we we do appreciate you tuning in with us. So Tony, why don't you spin the wheel again? So we have Lamar left. We have Cleveland. Uh, we have Cleveland Baker Mayfield. We have Dak. Uh, we have the the fun Russell Wilson news that just broke. We got a lot of places to go. Let's go with uh, Lamar. Let's go from one of my uh, one of my old greatest takes to my potentially second best take. All right, yeah. So let's go to Lamar. So this isn't a a, pu- a published article yet. I 
I thought it would be published today, but unfortunately I was wrong, and I think it'll be published Holy Cross, Notre Dame, St. Mary's, the, the tri-campus community here is all on break, so I imagine this will be published at the the end of the break, but the conclusion of the article essentially is that it's it's asking the question, is Lamar Jackson a Pro Bowl QB? Because I was particularly surprised by his selection to the Pro Bowl, and so you know, throughout the article, I detail why I don't think Lamar was a Pro Bowl candidate this year, and instead it should have been just straight up Josh Allen. Tony, I'm assuming you agree with that conclusion, yes? Oh, yeah. I think Lamar making it to the Pro Bowl, uh, I don't want to say it's the biggest joke of the year, but I want to say that it's in that conversation because Lamar was, yeah, he was, okay, he was hurt this year, but I do want to throw in, you know, a little bit of credit towards him. He only did play in 12 games uh, this season. But in those 12 games, he was pretty, pretty bad, honestly. For a Pro Bowl quarterback, he was terrible. But just in general, he was very, very mediocre. I don't understand why he was in here and why Josh Allen wasn't. Josh Allen is really a better quarterback in every single way. And even if you want to throw rushing in there, sure, Lamar might be a little more elusive, but they're both extremely powerful or both extremely effective, I should say, on on the ground. And then you take, you know, what's the quarterback's job at the end of the day to throw the ball? If you're giving me one guy to throw a ball for a play, a game, a year, a decade, it's going to be Josh Allen for every single one of them. Yeah, so going through the article, I'd, I'd love to be able to just let you guys go and read it. But uh, so I went through and I said, hey, it's not fair to just do counting stats because counting stats are so are so weird. Like if you look at even a, a Lamar season where he's underperforming, his his performance would still look good if you compared it to quarterbacks in the 80s. So I said, let's use the adjusting pass, passing metric, a football reference metric, where it puts seasons in the context of the season that it happened in. So you know, it, it like the great the greats of old would not hold up in today's NFL, and so that's you know that's a great way to look and see how great they were. Because if you go back and you look and you see. 16 touchdowns and 13 interceptions. Why? That was a, a horrible for, per, performance, and it's like a Super Bowl quarterback <laughs> because the game has just changed so much. So um, looking at Lamar, this season he was actually pretty bad in, in a lot of categories, and he had an average of 93.2 for adjusted passing, which you need to be 100 to be just purely average. So 93.2. Is not horrible. I believe Sam Darnold was like dramatically worse, like maybe in the '80s. So, like obviously, not terrible, but it shouldn't be at the Pro Bowl, right? I would say the below-average performances should not get you in the Pro Bowl. Um, and so, what I did was I compared Lamar to Josh Allen and Mac Jones, who did get selected in Lamar's place because Lamar, of course, declined playing in the Pro Bowl because he's trying to nurse his injury. I believe Josh Allen also declined, so Mac Jones ended up getting selected and actually played. So, if you look at if you look at Josh Allen on just the pure Zelo rankings, Josh Allen ranks eighth in in just pure passer rating, which is pretty good. Like it's dramatically better uh, than where Lamar ended up, which was thirty fifth overall. And so I said, like, look, like I'm sorry, the numbers don't lie because Zelo is not biased by volume. It's you know it works on a per game basis, so it's not punishing Lamar for only playing twelve games and rewarding Allen for playing seventeen. Okay. Um, I mean, something that is interesting about this season, right, is, yes, he missed games. Because with the 17-game season, he started 12 games. So he missed 
about five games over the course of this season. And that's all fine and good and dandy. But if you look at his actual attempts and completions, this was his year. This was the year that he threw his second most pass attempts. He was less than 20 pass attempts behind his year in 2019, where he won the MVP. So he's, he, he's really, really close to that year in terms of passing volume. In that year, he threw 36 touchdowns and six interceptions. This year, he threw 16 touchdowns and 13 interceptions. His completion percentage was higher that year. And if you compare him even to just last year where he played 15 games, he threw 376 pass attempts. This year, 382. So we're only off by six. We're pretty much dead even. He had the exact same completion percentage. He had about 100 more passing yards, 10 fewer interceptions, and four, or 10 fewer touchdowns, and four more interceptions. He's really just, he wasn't that good. And, you know, sure, you can say in those past years, well, yes, he was a great passer, but he was also a great rusher. And sure, he's a great rusher all the time. We know it's Lamar. That's like his bread and butter. He is the best rushing quarterback in the NFL. But at the end of the day, your job before all else is to throw the ball. That's your above all job. And sure, the league is changing whatever you want to say. They said that for a million other guys before him. But at the end of the day, it always stands true that the quarterback should throw the ball and be the most efficient in that category, more so than running. If you have a quarterback that's a better runner than a passer, he will not be able to lead your team very far. It never happens. And just as a little reference as to just to kind of put names to names here of who we're dealing with, Lamar Jackson had a passer rating of 87. That's not bad. Like, that's not terrible. You know, you should cut him immediately. That's not great either. As a comparison, who do you think is right there with him? I have a guy pulled up here that I do not think you are going to believe when I say his name, who has an 85.9 passer rating. He's 1.1 away. Ooh, this is really hard. Hold on a second. I need to think. Jimmy Garoppolo. Jimmy Garoppolo. That's a pretty good guess, but it's not quite it. It's actually Taylor Heineke. Okay, interesting. So that's the that's kind of the <laughs> level we're dealing with here. So for everybody that kind of says Lamar Jackson is such a great, you know, such a great quarterback and all these things, we're really at this point giving him name value off 2019 because 2019 he was fantastic. I don't think anybody's going to disagree with that passing and rushing. He was pretty much off the charts all year. Uh, Pro Football Reference has this great little metric called AV. Uh, it's just approximate value, and they keep a single. They do it by single season and career. And Lamar Jackson's single season AV that la- that year was twenty five. Twenty five is second all time of any player on any team at any point. The only person who was better than that at any point ever in history was Ladainian Tomlinson in two thousand six, who had a twenty six. So that's how great and like generationally good he was in twenty nineteen. At this point, all we're really doing is giving him name value from then. This year, for reference, his AV was 11. Last year, his AV was 18. And 18's, you know, 18's pretty good. That's about where Rodgers-ish uh, usually sits in a kind of a down year. But it's not what he was in 2019. I don't see him ever returning to that. So I think at this point, if we were to just strip the name and give the stats, you would say this guy's terrible. But all we do is we put the name Lamar Jackson on it, and suddenly he's great. Because I don't think anybody out here is going to say Taylor Heineke is phenomenal. He's he's workable, 
Like he's a pretty mid, I'd say he's a pretty mid to maybe below average starting quarterback. He can be a starting quarterback. He just will never be that great. And I think that's exactly what Lamar is besides 2019. And I don't think we're ever going to see that again. Yeah, I mean, can you actually, I, I'm curious, maybe I, you don't have them in front of you. Can you try and find more guys who have a similar QBR? Because now I'm kind of curious of what, like, Taylor Heineke, considering, like, where he was found is actually really valuable, I think. But, you know, I, I get the point you're making. So can you find other examples? Yeah, I was going off of passer rating, uh, not QBR for that one. So do you want me to look mm-hmm. for... Yeah, look for, look for for more ratings. Okay. I'm I'm mildly okay. curious about this because I was I close when I said Jimmy G. Like I'm I'm trying not to to look at any ratings as I go through data to because I have a point I want to make um, after this. But I'm curious I, as to actually you know where where you, those guys are. You were kind of sort of way off with Jimmy, Jimmy G. Jimmy Garoppolo is a ninety eight point seven passer rating. Which, I mean, it's not like, you know, you're light years away, but well, about 10 is actually pretty sizable for a passer rating. Yeah, no, I'm, so, I mean, I was, I, I'm looking not... at Zelo. Jimmy G was 13th as a passer, so it was definitely a little off. Just a little. Yeah, so like Lamar Jackson, if we look at him this past year, 87 flat, 87.0. The closest guy to that was Ben Roethlisberger, 86.8. Jalen Hurts was 87.2, and that's actually something that we talked about on a show earlier when we did the Lamar debate, when I did that with, uh, when you and Campbell, I think, was there for that one as well. Yeah, Campbell would have been the ref. Yeah, Campbell, yeah, Campbell was right there for it. I actually compared Lamar Jackson to Jalen Hurts, and I said Jalen Hurts might be a better quarterback overall, because his rushing stats were very, very similar, and his passing stats were actually at that time, I think slightly worse. It looks like he's jumped him to slightly better, though. And the take was crazy. And you know why it was crazy? Because Lamar Jackson has a great name from 2019 and Jalen Hurts doesn't. But if you just simmer down and look at the stats, Jalen Hurts is actually a better quarterback. Here's one that's even a little crazier. Above Jalen Hurts by one, which is two above Lamar Jackson, is Davis Mills at 88.8. These are the kinds. These are just the kind of guys that we're dealing with here. Daniel Jones is eighty four point eight. He's right there as well. So like we're not we're not looking at the you know the cream of the crop here. Overall, Lamar Jackson is twenty third in the league in passer rating this past year. Jared Goff is better than that. Carson Wentz now, is I, way better than that. Tua Tagovailoa is way better. I don't mean to spoil. Um, so I, I'm assuming you do you have the Lamar page up? Is going to be my first question. I have I have Lamar page up and I have an ESPN uh, page of like all quarterbacks kind of stats. Okay, so m- my first question is, what games was Lamar injured in? Like, does it like what games did he miss in what week? I should say is is the question I'm getting at. Um, let me see because I... um, so a point that I I made in my Baker Mayfield article, which we'll get to in a little bit, um, is that. You know, Baker was injured, so we need to cut him slack. And I guess my question is, you know, does the same thing apply to Lamar? Well, if we look, let me see if I can, because I'm just on uh, Pro Football Reference, and they don't break mm-hmm. that down terribly well. They should have a game log. So let's yeah. see. 
Ravens quarterback Lamar Jackson dealt with a bone bruise in his ankle, and he missed the final four weeks of the season due to that ankle injury. So he missed five total games. Four of them were from an ankle injury and just a a, a bone bruise, which I I guess I shouldn't say just a bone bruise, but at this level, a bone bruise seems pretty light in comparison to, like, the stuff that Baker was dealing with. I was going to say, Lamar's like, yeah, it was just this, it was just a bone bruise. Thanks, man. Yeah. Okay. So he managed to play in week four against the Broncos despite not practicing with a back injury. That was the first one. And so it was a minor back injury. It was a grade one pull. So a very minor pull, but still technically an injury. And then it was December 12th, an ankle sprain in week 14's loss to the Browns. And then he missed the rest of the season. Okay, so it wasn't so he like wasn't he came really back from by, an extended break. Yeah, he wasn't really hindered by injury while he played. He was just not playing when he was injured. So those are fairly okay. healthy stats. Yeah. No, that's fair. That's just, I wanted to make sure before we went and said, like, you know, Lamar is is, is becoming a bit of a brand bias, but not actually a solid talent. As a you know, without without that, I find that to be important context to have. Yeah, which I do think I do like that we get into that later with Baker because yeah, I, I I was pretty sure I remember that Lamar missed games but wasn't hindered by injury in games, but good making sure. Yeah, no, it's important I think because you want to be as we want to be as fair as possible. I personally, I still believe in Lamar, but that is obviously uh, waning. <laughs> so. Yeah, I mean every year it gets harder and harder to kind of rally behind this guy because he just he's gotten statistically worse like 2018 he came in and in the games that he did play he was pretty good you know six touchdowns three interceptions right off the rip at 21 years old if that's what you're doing that's pretty what good. is this right off the rip what do you mean i've never heard you say right off the rip before I mean, just like coming in right off, just like right off the bat, I guess you could say it's just, just, just the it's same. Just, it's I, it's just, in it's interesting. I don't think every now and then. I, I, I feel like I've never heard it before. And then in this episode alone, I've heard like five times. It's like right off the rip. And I just keep thinking like, is this a Beyblade thing? Like, am I, oh. did I, did I just date myself by saying the word Beyblade? Um, and you know, it is this a Beyblade thing. I, it could be. It could just be. You know, I unlocked a memory for some reason, and now I'm using it. Uh, let it rip. Um, okay. <laughs> yeah, Beyblades. Good. What a time. Um, okay. So uh, let me make my last point with Lamar, and I, you can react, and then I'm going to give you a projection. So Zelo actually has had Lamar's. I believe he was just the straight up MVP by Zelo in 2019. So he had an overall Zelo value of 298. That's insanely good. That was roughly the same level as Patrick Mahomes last year and Aaron Rodgers last year when they were both the the two consensus MVP picks. Um, And that was a 185 passer value and then a 113 rusher value. Since then, of course, both of those have fallen off. So the last year, not last year, last last year, he was 200.6 and then 154.7 this year. So he's obviously, you know, dropping his performance a little bit and i mean it's to be expected that's you're obviously not going to maintain that mvp caliber but to go from 298 to 202 to then 155 is a fairly like 
unprecedented, and again, I say unprecedented very lightly because I've only been doing Zelo for three years. I mean, not even three years, excuse me. I, two seasons, um, and have captured data on three years. And so, very lightly, I, I say this, but that is an unprecedented, historically crazy drop. Yeah, that's, it's pretty, It's. I mean, it seems like he's falling almost in a pattern, right? So he goes from pretty much 300 or pretty much 200 so he drops about 100 and then he goes from pretty much 200 to about 150 then he drops by 50 you think this next year he drops by 25 and it starts to level out well that was that was my next point and um so let me give you have you you you, you've read the baker mayfield article yes yeah so before we get into that so I, i created a stat called uh dollar per zelo and it's how many dollars a player costs per Zelo point. So, for example, with Lamar, in his rookie season, he was 57 Zelo points, and he was paid a contract, a cap number of $1.7 million. That mathematically roughly breaks down to about $30,000 per Zelo point. So that's a really good number. Um, and then in, I think this is the lowest number that I, I've, I'd seen until... Um, I, I did some Russell Wilson math. It was seven thousand two hundred and twenty. Like that's insanely good. So it made sense that he was the MVP, right? He got paid two thousand. I mean, two million dollars to be the MVP. So yeah. that that to me is just alone is insane. And then this. Um, so in his third season, it ballooned up to about twelve thousand dollars. Still an insane bargain. Um, but then this season, it was just shy of twenty thousand dollars per point. So, like as you, as his performance is going down, his cap number is also rising up. So he's on like the perfect bad trend. If you're if you're like a GM looking at this, like this is literally the worst case scenario for your player. Oh yeah, no, for sure. I mean, I don't, I don't honestly expect him to suddenly get better. I think, I think twenty nineteen. Will ne- we will never see 2019 from Lamar again. I honestly think that I don't a lot think... of that was it was defensive coordinators didn't know how to play. Because like before Lamar, we didn't really have a guy that could that could absolutely tear it up pretty much to the effect of Michael Vick. Michael Vick was the last guy that could do what Lamar Jackson regularly does. And he also in twenty nineteen had a bit of an arm. So it was just so hard to play him, but the league will always figure you out. And once the league figures you out, you better have some deep pockets with some more tricks. And I don't think Lamar does. I think we've seen the best of Lamar. He's never going to return to that. And I think this past year is about what the rest of his career probably will be. Pretty, you know, mediocre average. And he's just going to get a little bit of a name boost for the next maybe three to five years because of his name and his 2019 MVP. Past that, people will start to realize that, you know, we're not going to get that kind of player again, but I really don't think that he gets beyond average starting quarterback really consistently ever again. And I think the most um, interesting thing of all this, so I ran Lamar's numbers through uh, through Excel and just got a, a rough projection. So it's just his trend line, right? So it's, it's all of his numbers run through a trend line and Excel kicks back an equation. That's just the line of best fit. Um, and so... The number it spat back was 227 um, in overall. So that's his overall value. But his cap number, because obviously he was a rookie drafted in 2018, so this is, will be his fifth year in the league. Fifth year when you have that team option is when your contract 
balloons. Like you go from earning under five million per year to earning over twenty million. That's you know how the math is working out right now. Of course, you know that obviously changes based on the cap because those rookie pay scales fluctuate with your cap numbers. So it's going to change every year. So this is just you know for, for the era we're currently in. But his figure of twenty three million one hundred and six hundred thousand dollars. It's it's astronomically it's a jump right like it's his prior season in 2021 he made three million dollars 1.7 percent of the cap his cap hit will be 23 million that's 11.3 percent of the cap and so Jackson and I think that 227 may actually is a very optimistic projection I think him sitting at 150 is probably a little bit more realistic because you know you have that 298 that's very much an outlier year. Um, but his his dollars per Zelo score, Tony. I want you to guess where it is. Dollar per Zelo for Lamar going like this next year. So the the prediction for next year. The prediction for next year, dollar for Zelo. This past year was twenty thousand. I'm gonna guess like thirty two, thirty. No, you are so far off. Good lord. Am I way too generous? You're, yeah, no, that's, it's, it's, it's ridiculously high. So it's like 50, 60? No, you're still low. I'm still low? It's like, what, 80? You're still low. Nope, you're still low. That's, what is it? It's 100,000. 100,000 per point. That is ridiculous. So, I mean, look, like, we'll, we'll get into this in the Baker Mayfield article in a second, because I did a lot more of that. There, a hundred thousand per point is still good, right? It's I don't think it's bad by any means. Here's some quarterbacks that are ballpark, you know, of that value. Aaron Rodgers is one. Um, uh, Derek Carr is one. Jared Goff is roughly one. Although Jared Goff is going to balloon like an unbelievable amount. Ryan Tannehill. So, um, it's not a horrible, egregious number. But it is a cause for concern because, and I haven't done this yet, but my hunch looking at the the numbers that I, I listed off in the Baker Mayfield article is that teams who get to a certain dollar per zero threshold, there is a strong correlation with those teams struggling to perform well because there's just so much being invested in one position and one player. And if you're in the case of Lamar, like, I mean, good Lord, I, you know, we've been... There have been rumors about Lamar's contract negotiation. I don't think we're going to see Lamar sign a contract this year. I don't. I think the Ravens want a year to figure him out and see what happens. Yeah, I don't I don't think he's earned it. Like, this hasn't been a phenomenal year for him. He hasn't really given the Ravens any reason to want to sign him to any kind of a big contract. And like you said, you know, there are certain quarterbacks that cuz every with the dollar per zero amount is completely relative. So it's good or bad depending on that player. Like, for example, Aaron Rodgers, two like back-to-back MVP, $100,000 per zero point. I think that's honestly, if you're going to take a guy, that's kind of a bargain, if anything. Derek Carr, maybe. Those other guys, probably not great. Lamar definitely should not be making that kind of money. And you also have to think, if you're the Ravens, you cannot give him a Patrick Mahomes 10-year deal. You can't. Because in four years, only four years, Lamar has already rushed 615 times. 
who knows how much longer his career will be. We've seen historically every time a great running quarterback comes into the league, they don't last for very long at an elite level because they're simply getting hit too much. A quarterback's average kind of lifespan in the league, if you will, We've seen with Tom Brady, if you can get just a system quarterback that can sit behind a pretty decent O-line for 20-plus straight years, he can be good for 20-plus straight years. But it's also the exact opposite, where if you have a guy who just continues to run and take these hits year after year, game after game, relentlessly, his playing career is going to be considerably shorter, and it's going to look a lot more like a wide receiver running back kind of career, even though he's a quarterback, which is not something you want. No, I mean, without question. So, I mean, look, look, Cam Newton is a great example, and I love Cam Newton dearly. He's near and dear to my heart. But do you do you know where his position ranking is, Tony? He's terrible. He's awful. I know. His his per, his Zelo ranking is just atrocious. I want you to guess. Like where he ranks in the league amongst quarterbacks? There are 115 quarterbacks that Zelo captured. Now, granted, they're not all quarterbacks. Some of them are just like running backs who were who had asked to pass a handful of times. Okay. Yeah, like one attempt. I'm guess where guess Cam Newton that, is? I'm going to guess that Cam is hovering around 40. Oh, Lord, no. Yeah, you're still way off. I feel like you've taken a step back. I feel like you were so good with the model the past couple of weeks, and now it's like you're, you're just way off. Well, now that the model's really developing so many new crazy stats, it's hard to keep up with all of them. I mean, is he like, what, 60s, 70s? Oh, Lord. Dude, you are, you're Lamar Jacksoning this. I mean, I'm, I'm kind of thinking there's 32-ish starting caliber quarterbacks. I don't think Cam Newton's a starter. I think he's a backup. But, I mean, a backup would theoretically be in the 60s. Is he so, a third-string quarterback? I need to discriminate between, I think if, if you got rid of, like, running backs and wide receivers his rank would probably be in the 60s but since I didn't discriminate by that kind of position and just said if you threw a pass you're on this list somewhere Cam Newton is 101 out of 115 uh yes wow that's uh so his tier grade is just role player (laughs) that's yeah that's that's really bad and I mean i We've kind of gone over this. I don't particularly like Cam Newton. I think I think he's a fantastic guy off the field. I, I, I like him fairly decently. His style's a little weird, but whatever. You do you. On the field though, I've said he's bad. I didn't I didn't think he was that bad. No, that's pretty egregious. Um and you know, it's negative three. He's a negative three passer. So it's just a pure passer, he is negative three. I believe Sam Darnold is still better than that. He's terrible. I knew he was bad. I always believed he was bad. Earlier this year, I argued he was bad. Yeesh. Even as somebody who thinks that, I would not. I would have at least guessed a low, a low positive number. Yeah. No, for sure. I mean, I was, I was a little disappointed to find that one out. That must be, be tough as the, as the resident Cam fan. Yeah. No, it's 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 pretty tough for sure. Um, <laughs> let me let me find where he ranks as a as a rusher because I believe he's still technically a positive player he's a positive zelo player but it's yeah so he's a 45 point rusher which is 60th in the nfl so he he very much like balances himself out as a rushing threat by zelo so he would be more he would be more effective as a running back with a different quarterback Uh, i mean 
I definitely don't want to look at it like that way because that changes the math. So just that's why I'd like to separate pure passer from rusher. In very basic like, theory, at least. I'm going to say no. I think that he – obviously the fact that he's a rushing threat changes the way defenses play. And if he was just made a running back, like I don't want to get into that. I don't think – I would say no. But yes, technically, like from if you just went objectively by Zelo, yes, he's he's better when he's running with the ball as opposed to passing the ball. Granted, Carolina has the thirty first worst pass blocking team by ESPN's pass block win rate stat, and the worst is the Dolphins, and those two are like country miles away from thirty. That's that. Yeah, that, I mean that doesn't really bode well for him. So there is that. It doesn't help. Yeah, no, it doesn't help. I mean, the play calling was atrocious. I honestly, this is an episode for this. It could be a segment called Tom's Tangents, where I go off about the firing of Joe Brady. But the fact that Joe <laughs> Brady got fired um, it was obviously a cover up because Rule felt pressure. I'm off the Rule train, by the way. I was rooting for Rule, um, and you know what? I want him to do well, but I'm mad at Matt. Yeah, that, I mean, not, that's understandable. I can I can see where you're coming from with that. Yeah, so I, I'm still rooting for him. I don't believe in him anymore. I just want I want Eric Bieniemy. Hire Eric Bieniemy, please. I've said it a million times. Please just freaking hire Eric Bieniemy, and that's uh, the rudest I'm going to get is freaking because we're a family show. All right, let's move on to the next subject. Yeah, we're a family show. We're a family show. You should be able to listen to us in the car with your kids, although because we uh, we get rated by the per listen, we would prefer if your kids all listened on their Colin accounts. <laughs> right, right, yeah. If you could just download Colin on all <laughs> if, of your phones if, and listen exactly. at the same time. If, if you listen to our episode with five people in the car, you need to go back and listen to the episode four more times to really – Yes, justice because we <laughs> we make we make we make our decisions based on those on the metrics of everybody listening per device. That is true. All right, so uh, instead of spinning the wheel because we've like talked about it now, let's let's transfer over to the Baker Mayfield article. Awesome, let's do it. Okay, so this this article it's it's on the observer's website this was march 2nd so it's a very recent article and it the title is literally just cleveland keep baker now personally i like to put questions in my title because i try not to create a bias which is why when you read my when you read my articles like the first third of the article is just me trying to lay out the facts before i actually transition over my opinion because i like to not tell you how you should feel, but give you the data to make your own decision. Um, but the editors get mad at me when I put questions in the title, and so I, I don't put questions in the title anymore. <laughs> um, they do. They're like, stop putting questions. And I'm like, dude, I my whole shtick is that I am a pure objective data guy. I'm not selling you a narrative. I just got my own opinion that I'm trying to deliver as neutrally as possible. I like being objective and realistic, not biased as, as all heck. Um, but, but anyway, so I, I put the title in and like, unfortunately it kind of spoils the entire article. Um, but the conclusion, yes, is that Cleveland should keep Baker. And one of these days I'm going to do a, a, um, an expectation subversion where I'm going to title it one way and then come with a different conclusion. It's like, booyah, you didn't see that one coming, did you? <laughs> Thanks editors. This is on you. I'm rebelling against the system. Um, okay. So let, let's get into the, the numbers of Baker. So, 
Baker this year had a really horrible year. He was actually the 43rd pure passer, um, and he was 327th as a rusher. So he was a negative rusher, go figure. Uh, and so his overall value is 47.8. That's actually pretty horrible because I think the average starting quarterback is like 150. Um, but just last year, Baker was actually 147 as a pure passer, which would indicate that he's pretty good. Uh, but his his dollar per Zelo, which is the metric that I used to argue that Jonathan Taylor should be the MVP of the league until the Colts lost to the Jags. And I was like, you know what? Fine. Fine. Aaron Rodgers wins because the Colts made us all lose um, by not getting into the playoffs because they're so <laughs> horrible. Um, but so the dollar per Zelo is obviously just their their salary divided by their Zelo number. And so here was the, I think, the best paragraph in the article and the only one you really need to know for this conversation baker does not have a cheap zelo value this year he currently sits at one hundred ninety-five thousand three hundred seventy-six dollars per zelo point a mark that is atrocious of the 32 starting quarterbacks in the nfl baker's dollar per zelo ratio is one of the top five worst among starting quarterbacks the worst in the league was zach wilson and it literally zach wilson broke dollar per zelo within like three minutes of me creating a spreadsheet for it because he's negative 17 zelo overall and so it you know i literally can't make a ratio with that negative number and so he i just put negative 17 zelo um next was russell wilson at two hundred and thirty three thousand four hundred twenty one dollars per point matt ryan at two hundred nineteen thousand. Uh, ben Roethlisberger at 204000 and then Baker. And then sixth was Jimmy G, and Carson Wentz was in seventh. Um, but the season prior, Baker was at 66352 per Zelo point. So he was actually from a massively, like, albatrossly overpaid contract to just uh, just below average. Which, I mean, if you're, if you're Cleveland and you have Baker Mayfield, you can live with that. You're, you're not against that. Yeah, I mean, that was my whole point is that, like, you know, I, I and I talked about this in the article. It's like, hey, this is why I keep toggling back and forth between stats from the this year and last year is because he was injured this year. So it's hard to, tr- like, you know, the metrics are muddied. The evaluation is not as efficient because you are going off of these, you know, these essentially damaged goods kind of. Like, if you, re- I really don't like referring to other people as goods, but it really is a damaged product on the field. Yeah, and this this is kind of like what we talked about earlier with Lamar Jackson. We kind of looked at, you know, did injuries affect his play? We determined that not really, maybe a little bit in like one or two games, but not but overall. Injuries affect everybody, it's though. So, in, I mean, yeah, injuries, small injuries affect everyone. Probably most injuries don't really make it to the I injury mean, sheet. Just most guys just kind of play through them. Exactly. But then you have Baker Mayfield, and anybody who watched any Cleveland football this year pretty much knew the the announcers kind of dogged on it every game all year. Mayfield played through an injury, a major injury, and not just any major injury. September 19th, 2021, he suffered a partially torn labrum in his left shoulder. Now, yes, he is a right-handed quarterback. You throw with your right arm, but he continued to play through that But you have to remember, when you're a quarterback, every single throw you make, you're leading with the left. You're moving that left shoulder all the time. He got sacked quite a few times. 
more often than not, they're going to hit you from the left side and you're going to go down on your right shoulder, which means that big guy is landing directly on your left labrum, exactly what's already torn. He played through that all year. January 3rd, he missed the season finale because he finally had surgery on that torn labrum. So from September to January, he played through that injury the whole time. He he was forced out of week 10 with a knee issue that was just a minor, uh, it was a knee strain. It was just a grade one though, so not really too crazy. He was back for the next game. But regardless, that whole time he did play through that entire uh, shoulder injury of which he kind of healed from after the September 19th one. And then October 17th, he officially re-injured it. Uh, and was sidelined for one game. But other than that one game, really, he was playing through that injury the entire time, and you could tell it was affecting him. He's he's one of the toughest guys in the league for playing through that. The fact that he was able, even able to get on the field was extremely impressive. But you can't really judge a guy who's hurt with an injury like that at that position and say that this year was terrible for him because he didn't perform well on the, on the stat sheet. You just can't do it because it doesn't make sense. Yeah, I mean, and, and another thing that I think the broadcasters probably did harp on a lot every single game that the Browns played is that, you know, it, the, the harness is not just interfering because he wore a harness, I believe, to protect the labrum, right? Tony, was it his? Was it the labrum that it was protecting? Was it um, the, the humerus bone? I think it was the labrum. Because I think like, yeah, the so, bone got a little messed up, but the, at the end of the day, they were looking at, they were just trying to protect that labrum. But yeah, the, the the point of that is that he was trying to protect protect a, a part of his body with that harness, and so it actually was messing up his mechanics. Because like Tony said, you know, you're leaning with the left, so it's actually messing with his mechanics, which actually was attributed to like why he was being so so much less accurate, if you will. So I think that that's important to remember too. Is that it's not just you know, a discomfort thing, but it's it's literally, literally interfering with the mechanics, and so that's why I kind of want to throw this year out if I'm Baker, if I'm a Baker Mayfield fan. Yeah, and honestly, if I'm him, I am extremely proud of myself for going positive touchdown interception ratio. He threw 17 touchdowns, 13 interceptions in an ordinary healthy year. That's not a good stat line, but in a in a year with an injury of this caliber, with all the stuff he had to deal with, just to stay, you know, over one is a very, very good thing for him. And it's also, I think, a reason why I am not a fan, even after this Super Bowl. We can kind of get into this a little bit if you want, Tom, or not, up to you. Baker is not to blame for Odell. And I don't think either of them are really to blame. I just think Baker was hurt. I don't think he was trying to not throw to Odell or anything. He just didn't want to throw deep bombs with a hurt shoulder. Like, it's just, it's common sense. I don't understand why we're dogging Baker for this. He just – he wasn't able to make these throws. He literally couldn't do it. I would like to get into this, but because we're almost up against the hour and we still have to talk about Russell Wilson because that news bomb dropped right before we went live, we'll have to save it for another episode, and let's quickly hit on Russell before we, we head out. Do you have the news clip up, Tony, or do you want me to pull it? Uh, I don't have it up. I got it as an NFL notification on my phone a couple hours ago. Okay, let me see. Oh, that's great. The, the first thing that comes up um, is Russell Wilson begs his wife for more babies. 
So well, that's, that's nice. a great that's a great headline. Why is that the first one that comes up when there's more recent news? Okay. No, I, I don't know. Whatever whatever the first one was, ignore it. So the more important news is that the, the Washington commanders, that won't be weird to say for for forever, offered multiple <laughs> first round picks for Russell Wilson. The Seahawks declined. So the commies, as they have been lovingly dubbed on Twitter, try to make their draft picks the everyone's draft picks by, by sending them to the Seahawks. And the Seahawks were like, you know what? No. Um, <laughs> so let's get into Russell Wilson. So I know that he's obviously he, he's unhappy in Seattle. They had a very poor year in large part because he was injured. But, you know, that team, I don't think anyone had misgivings about it being a Super Bowl contender of a team even though they made the playoffs last year. So what are your overall thoughts on that? Uh, I honestly don't like it. If I am the commanders, I'm not sending anything. I am I know we talked about it earlier. I'm not out on Taylor Heineke. Like, I don't think he's a bad quarterback. I we, we were talking about the Lamar segment. I compared him to Lamar. I think he is, he is a guy that can work. He's not going to take you to a Super Bowl. He's not going to make a deep playoff run for you. But he is a very personable guy who is young. This is only the first year that he really kind of got a full season's worth of starts. So before this, he was just the backup, only started one game in the past three years. So it's not like he was really – he had a bunch of experience. He was really just thrown into this right from the get-go. And I think he didn't – Literally into a playoff game. Yeah, he was just kind of thrown right in. So he didn't do that bad, all things considered. I, if I'm the commanders, I want to kind of see how this guy progresses instead of taking on the guy that we just covered as being the most expensive per zero point like in the NFL. I just don't think that that's a good idea, especially when you then are going to toss away a bunch of first-round picks. You can build around – you can try to build around Taylor Heineke. Try to give him some pieces – Try to just see what you can do with him. He can manage. At worst, I think he's an average quarterback, which he's not going to really give you much, but he's not going to really take away from the team either. He's extremely personable. He made you know quite a few Twitter memes over the years, uh, over the past year. He was a really fun guy to watch. Like he was kind of the underdog hero story along with Davis Mills really this past year. So I would like to see them continue with him for another year now that he's got you know some experience under his belt, some real experience. And I really don't think they should be jumping ship all the way to Russell Wilson right now. It just doesn't make any sense. So Zelo currently has Taylor Heineke ranked as its 33rd quarterback. It is. It does have him a little bit ahead of Lamar. Um, but, I mean, look, I think that Taylor Heineke is, a, is one heck of a find and an incredibly fun story. But I do understand why Washington was trying to do this. If I'm Washington, I'd be looking for an upgrade too. And if you know that Russell Wilson is unhappy and he's available and he's a heck of a lot more available than Deshaun Watson, I'm not going to get into that because, good Lord, that there's hours upon hours of, of things to talk about with that one. Um, but he he's the best free agent quarterback available besides maybe Jameis Winston um, and I would assume that Winston is going back to the Saints. But if you know that he's available, I understand why they want to make the play because I, as much as I like Heineke and as valuable as he is because his his uh, dollar per Zelo value is actually incredibly low, and we'll get into who is the lowest because I think it will make Tony happy. Um, he's not the future. So I understand why they did it. Now, 
we can get into the how he's the the most expensive quarterback per Zelo point. A large part of that is that he was injured too. He had a, a similar story with Baker Mayfield, where you know he was injured for a super long stretch of time, came back and was definitely not a hundred percent. So if you do his dollar per Zelo value, he actually has in his rookie season. So that's twenty twelve. His he was actually the cheapest player ever in the history of the Zelo model. Uh, at $4,648 per Zelo point. Like, that mark is unholy, and that was because he was a, a third-round rookie. So it's going to be really hard to find anybody that's ever that going to be that low. Right. Um, in, in the modern salary cap era. Um, but the the next season, so that was 117. The next season, he was 103, 111 in 2014, 173 in 2015. Um, 132 in 2016, 138 in 17, 125 in 18, 163 in 19, 184 in 2020, and then this year he was 138. And so his dollar per Zelo value um, obviously peaked this year, but has been trending upwards. So you kind of alluded to it. Are you saying that Russell Wilson's a little too expensive? Is that kind of what you're suggesting? I think he's insanely expensive because, like, I mean, we'll just – it's been kind of a running joke, but it, it's held true every year. He's the best quarterback in NFL history up until about game seven. And once that happens, he falls off every single year without fail. And he just kind of falls into the ranks of mediocrity, if you would, if you will. But I don't think that this is, this, this is not a guy that they should absolutely go after. Now, sure, Heineke is not your future. But I do think that he is serviceable until you can draft a guy or find another guy for way cheaper. Because Heineke, well, we also have to remember that this year, that defense was supposed to be phenomenal. So how about you focus on your defense and getting that to where it should be before you really move away from a guy that's serviceable. He's not great, but he's not going to lose you games. Well, that was I was sort of building to it, and then I got a little bit distracted by by reading off how expensive Russell Wilson is. But there are a couple of strategies that I think Washington has. So one is stay with Heineke, stay pat with Heineke. Um, two is trade for a quarterback. And then three is draft someone and play Heineke and let the, the rookie learn behind Heineke. He's not expensive, so you can trade him or cut him or just keep him as a backup if you want to. I don't think Heineke would have any complaints there. Um, and so one... I think stay put with Heineke is dumb. It's an exercise in futility. Now, if you think you can go get a free agent quarterback, go for it. I personally wouldn't. I personally would draft because the commanders did not have a good season last season when they were the much better Washington football team. So they have a decent enough draft pick where like they are being mocked taking quarterbacks. I would like to see them take a quarterback as opposed to, like you said, go and get an expensive quarterback. Um, and so one thing before we kind of start wrapping up is that Russell Wilson, so last season he was 167. It's a far cry from the 200,000. Gosh, it's ridiculous. I, I truly cannot express to you how expensive $232,000 is per Zelo point. I think it's it's another one of like the highest marks I've ever seen. Um, and so... Uh, that's it's it's actually insane. Um, but if you take last season's number, which is a little bit less insane, um, it would still be fifth. It's like it's not much yeah, better. Still like, way it, way too expensive I, for what he does. I, I think that he's 
he's one of those quarterbacks. Like, look, I don't think Seattle's going to get a better quarterback. It's like you said when, like, each player's value is relative. Yes, he got overpaid, but I think quarterbacks just in general are going to get overpaid. Like, Patrick Mahomes is going to have a ridiculous dollar per zero in the next couple of years, even though right now he's in the bargain cheap $34,000 per zero. I mean, and look, this is why I always say you have to have a rookie quarterback because I think that that – is something we're going to find with Dollar Perzillo is that teams who have rookie quarterbacks or have like Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers are going to struggle. Um, but the, the overarching point, arching point to this is that yes, Russell Wilson is was over the moon expensive this season, but even on a good season, he still is fairly expensive. So that's why I think that you know I would draft as opposed to trade, even though I understand why they're trying to trade. You know what I mean? Yeah, and I I also think that you know something we kind of looked at earlier a the fo- pro football references AV pro, uh, the value that it kind of gives for this season for the Washington you know formerly Washington football team it has the team leader in AV the team leader in AV was Taylor Heineke who last else would it quarterback be? Would be well I like last year was Chase Young. So yeah, but that's what I'm saying, saying like, is he got injured halfway through the season. Yeah, that's true. But you also, like, if Taylor Heineke's not that good, but he's your AV leader, you should focus on other places. No, I guess that's fair. I mean, but and that's my point. That's why I would draft but keep Heineke. Uh, yeah, I like, certainly wouldn't trade for Russell Wilson. Like, as like, good as he might be, he might get you to 7-0, and but after that, you're toast. He'll be doing... He'll be doing ghost hail marys in the in the in the arena after everybody's gone. Um. Oh, there's a great meme about that where it's it's the ad where he's doing the Bosey speakers. What is that? How you yeah. see him? He's doing Bose. the speakers for that the yeah the Bose commercial where pa- like it's the one Patrick Mahomes did where like he yeah. tapped he taps it and it goes to like soundproof mode. And then, like, he starts, like, dancing and the lights are flashing around him. That's what Russell Wilson thinks he's doing. <laughs> yeah, he, that's pretty much what that, He's doing that commercial. Um, but, yeah, and, like, look, if you trade for Russ, you're giving up three to four first-round picks among other assets. And you're acquiring an Albatross contract. Whereas with um, with just drafting a rookie quarterback, you know, you're only you're only spending one pick. It's cheap as all heck. I mean, and imagine having Taylor Heineke in a rookie quarterback for probably less than $5 million a year. I mean, honestly, I think out of this year, everybody says it's such a terrible quarterback class. I think there's going to be a good one out of this class. I don't think this is going to be a complete bust class. I'm saying it right now. There will be a good one out of this draft. I don't think that this is a bust class, but I think that there isn't one. Like with last year, there were five really good ones. And then Davis Mills, uh, who's yeah, quietly become what? a really they good all one. Suck and Davis Mills, uh, <laughs> the best. But I'm saying like, there's not one that like looks poised to become generational. Whereas like with this, I, I get what you're saying, and I think that like you I'm, that, I'm though. becoming. No, I. But it's I'm saying possible to say that somebody is poised to become great in the NFL out of college. You can't say it. No, you can say that they're poised to because that means like they're in a position to become so, and then they just don't. Well, yeah, everybody's but, but my, poised. My, my, okay, but poised. okay. My my point is, um, I feel like we're we're getting off the point. My point is that there isn't one who's clearly better than the rest, and even the ones like I mean, Sam Howell out of UNC should have probably gone back and played another year. 
Um, but I, I like the kid out of Liberty. That's who I think that the I'd like the Panthers to give a hard look at personally. If it, like if they're going to take a quarterback, which they've been rumored to be looking at quarterbacks. Um, but I think the football team would be well in drafting the kid out of Liberty. I like the Malik kid, Malik Willis. I think his name that's, is. That's out of Liberty. Yeah, uh, I I don't know colleges, so I'm just going off teams. That's that's why I was very the kid out of Liberty because I have no idea. I don't I don't do the I don't do college football. I'm trying to. The Observer wants me to, but I'm I'm trying to. But okay, uh, let's end on the cheapest quarterback by Zelo. Cheapest quarterback by Zelo. Um. So they have to be young. They have to be in their first four years of the league. Yep. What year were they drafted? I don't want to give you that because it's going to be too much of a giveaway. Davis Mills, isn't it? Yeah, it's Davis Mills. Yes, at, at, it's under Davis 10, Mills. at under 10000 a year. Okay. I mean, I like at it. I love Jay- the Davis Mills. I was, I was ridiculed for the Davis Mills take. Bye, Tanner. Bye, Tanner. May our, bo- now, our former... Our former boss may he may he rest in <laughs> may our our future with the company there rest in peace. Yeah. <laughs> no, that was a great company. Oh, you know what? Actually, hold on. I think I found someone cheaper. So that's that the per passing value basis. But if you factor in Jalen Hurts's rushing, because he was a, a positive rusher, whereas I think Mills was a negative rusher. It's yeah. Jalen Hurts drops down to seven thousand, but so you can get your victory lap on a pure per passer basis. Davis Mills is the cheapest in all the land. I love it. I love that take, and I love it's the hilarious. Oh yeah, no, I think that I, I think that Hurts is going to be better than Lamar because he's proven. I think that he can throw a lot better. I but think he already is. I think he already is, but I also think that. There's is and what we believe and then what the public believes. I like to think we align ourselves more with is and we just need the general public to catch up. Yeah, we're just – we're the uh, we're the early adopters. Exactly. We are the first to takes and we're always first to the good takes, I like to think. <laughs> Most of them, please. Yeah. We, we make the good takes, Tony. <laughs> All right. We we just made seventy minutes of good takes, so we're gonna let you guys go. We're gonna try and come back. Maybe we'll do a fun like college basketball. We'll, oh, that we should totally do no, March no, Madness brackets. Oh, college no, basketball. Brackets, I'm gonna be flipping a coin. I don't know anything about college basketball. Okay, you do what I do every year. Just look at the seat. <laughs> yeah, that never works. I'm gonna flip a coin. Uh, you know what? That honestly may work better, but. Um, but the reason we should do it is that Zelo has been asked by the observer to become a college Zelo, and so there's a college basketball Zelo that will probably have a horrible bracket. Oh, well, we'll that'll see. be it surprised us with yeah. good things before. Yeah, fair enough. That'll be a fun episode to do. But until then, we're gonna let you guys go. I'm Tom Zwiller, Tony Nemeti. See you guys.